Big Picture Business Podcast is uh, an amazing podcast for um, business owners, entrepreneurs, um, side hustlers, leaders, um, basically anybody who wants to grow a business. They cover marketing, they cover um, sometimes accounting and budgeting and, and just uh, trends everything. So in some ways they're kind of a direct competitor, but at the same time, they're a huge part of the marketing community and I've learned a lot from them. Uh, I first found them on Instagram and then later watched a lot of their stuff on YouTube. Um, and so I've been a fan for quite a while. And um, I reached out to one of the two hosts, um, Dominica uh, Lumazar, and the other host is Rory Carruthers. Um, they're both best-selling authors and um, they, I believe, own like a couple of marketing agencies and uh, a few actually. And so, you know, they're really good people. They're smart people um, and they're amazing at what they do. And so I reached out uh, quite a while back, probably over a year ago, maybe closer to two. Um, and I asked, you know, I, well, actually, I just I just started talking marketing with Dominica who runs their Instagram account. And I didn't realize it was just one of them that ran Instagram, but um, we talked quite a bit and I, I kind of got her into a um, kind of podcast support group um, for fellow podcasters to support each other's content. And long story short, they asked if I wanted to be on their show. And I was really, really impressed because the process of getting on the show was super professional. You go to a website, you basically have to apply to be a guest, and um, you fill out a release form, and you, you have to you know fax it back to them or email it back to them, and then they schedule you. Well, one thing led to another, to another, to another, and I could not, just could not schedule a time that worked. And so I never ended up getting through the entire process. Well, then very recently they reached out and they said, okay, here's the deal. We really want you on the show. Um, here is our calendar. You pick a date that works. And since my, um, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you got to set your own schedule. And so it happened to work out that I was able to, um, pick a time and, and meet with them. And it was an awesome experience. It was so much fun shooting the breeze. And because you know me, you know the way that I create content um, is taking advantage of opportunities as they arise. I they Right before we started uh, the episode, um, they said, do you have any other questions? I said, sure. I said, so do you mind if I record this on my side um, so that I can use it as a podcast episode too? And they kind of thought about it for a sec and Dominica says, Rory, you don't have any issues with that, do you? And he's like, no, sounds good. So what you're about to hear, and I did warn them. I said, you know, I don't edit my stuff a lot because that's part of it. Part of the proof of concept is that you can do it from anywhere. There's no excuse not to. And it, it you know, the more effort you put into it, the better it'll do. But you can put out high quality content that's raw and real. So what you're going to hear, their version is, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but I do know that um, the second week, roughly the second week in October is when their version will air. So their version will probably be a little cleaner, a little more edited, and they have a really great YouTube version because we did it over uh, Zoom. So this version is a little less edited, I'm mean, less polished, I think is probably the best way to put it. But I want to thank both both Dominica and Rory for having me on Big Picture Business Podcast. Uh, when you're done with this episode, or uh, if you'd rather listen to this episode over there, feel free. Um, it, it is an awesome show. It airs every Tuesday, just like mine. I usually listen on Spotify, but every single episode is, is both entertaining and educational and 
uh, will help make you a better business person overall. So I highly recommend you check them out. Um, this is probably one of the longest intros I think I've ever done. But without further ado, uh, let's get down to it. Uh, grab a notebook. Um, it's about to get deep. You're listening to the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast. The show that gives you leadership lessons and insights from the cutting edge of digital marketing. Hosted by Stephen J. Edelman. It's about to get deep. But it's true. I've been chatting with this guy on Instagram. Steven is here with us, you guys. Listen, he's amazing. We've been chatting for a year, and he is one of those entrepreneurs, business owners, where every single thing that he posts, I'm like, yes! Oh my gosh! Why didn't I think of that? Seriously? (laughs) So I'm so excited that he's here with us. He is a digital marketer. He is just like a jack of all trades. He has his own podcast. And he helps business leaders, entrepreneurs, and solopreneurs create winning digital strategies to map and meet their goals. T, okay, now listen, you got to get this, TDGR Podcast offers weekly insights, tips, and tricks from the bleeding edge of digital marketing. Hi, Stephen, welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy you're here. I'm super excited. Like, I've been bragging all week. I'm like, it's it's the week. I'm I'm doing this. This is so great. Yeah, so I'm like... (laughs) I'm so glad that we could line up the schedules. And when you sent the invite for the for the actual calendar, I was like, oh, wait, I can actually pick a date that works. So, yeah, I'm fan. I'm so excited about this. Good. Well, I'm, I'm like a super fan of your podcast. I so appreciate that. Yeah, it's just really, I'm just very happy you're here. I know I keep saying that, but it's, it's true. <laughs> so welcome, welcome. So listen, um, I want to talk to you about... I mean, we're just going to jump right in talking about digital and social media strategies and how and why did that become a passion for you? Like, give us a little bit of background on how you entered into this world and just started loving it. Yeah. So it's funny. I had I had about 20 years of sales and management experience before I even discovered marketing and what it was. And so... You know, I, I've done every kind of sales. There. I mean, from like door to door sales. The only thing I haven't sold is cars, insurance, and houses. So, like, I've I've sold cable. I've done you know internet stuff, like all kinds of stuff. Um, but then I, I worked for a company that was an inbound call center, and their their slogan was outsource Iowa, not India. And they were for you could outsource your tech support, your customer service to them. And I was in a position where I was doing more of the business development side. And my, my job was to try and reach out and get clients to sit down with their director of sales and basically say, hey, you should be outsourcing your customer service to us. And um, in that time, I did what I didn't realize at the time was a competitive analysis. And I said, okay, so let's see what our competition is doing and how they're drawing in clients. 
And what I realized is the website was super outdated. We were on social media but hadn't posted in like six months. Um, we, there was, there was, it was just awful. It was bad. It was bad. So intuitively, I started sending emails to the, their director of marketing and saying, hey, we should do this. Hey, I noticed this. Hey, I noticed that. And she goes, no, nah, no, nah, you know, we, we don't invest too much in that. Don't worry about it. And then about two weeks later, um, the CEO sent out an email to the entire company saying, hey, our director of marketing is coming up with some brilliant ideas. We're going to be revamping our website. We're going to be doing... So basically, she took all the ideas that I had and pushed it out to the company. And at the time, I was like, okay, well, I'm not too worried about it. But then I noticed more and more, and then she would come back and ask me for more and more, and then she would get all the credit. And so I, you know, I'm a team player, but it comes to a point where you're like, that's eh, not cool. You know, this is kind of career, this is a career limiting move. You know what I'm saying? So I uh, went to a friend of mine who owned a tattoo shop and I just, again, on a complete whim said, hey, I think I've got a knack for this digital marketing stuff, especially social media. I'm really good at spotting trends. I'm really good at Facebook and all this. Um, let me ask you some questions. And I sat down and I asked him about 50 questions and wrote down all the answers on notebooks. And I came back to him a week later with a full digital strategy literally off the top of my head. And what was really cool about it was he implemented it and he said he saw a massive growth. He ended up, we're in the middle of Iowa and he had a client reach out to him for a certain type of transdermal piercing that he did um, from Las Vegas. And she flew in from Las Vegas just to get, because he was the only person that was licensed to do this anywhere in North America. And so he's like, nobody would have known about this for, if it wasn't for you. So at that point, I knew there was something to it. Um, this is like 2015. Uh, my dad passed away that same year, unfortunately, and I really kind of reevaluated some things because it was, it was a hard hit for me. And my wife and I sat down. We were Actually, we were driving, and she said, you know, this whole paycheck-to-paycheck thing isn't really working well for us, and, and you know, we're a little older, but I think you should go back to school. And at the time, she was a full-time uh, LPN nurse. And I said, okay, if, we can, if you think we can afford it. And uh, so we did. I went back to school and I, I went for marketing and I ended up winning an award for marketing that had never been given out by the school. Um, wow. Yeah, it was really cool. And it hasn't been given out since. The guy retired without giving it out again. So I was pretty proud of that. Um, and that's, I knew, I knew that was the right path. So it turns out I didn't love, I thought I loved sales because I was really good at it. I don't love sales. I love providing solutions and helping companies communicate what their solutions are to clients' problems. And, and I like helping brands and companies reach out and, and discover new ways of communicating with customers. And that's marketing in a nutshell. I mean, if, if you can figure out how to talk to people here and solve their problems, that's it. That's the ballgame, right? Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much the, the long and short of how I ended up getting into marketing. So I got my bachelor's degree in marketing in, in 2019. Um, and happened to get a job right before the global pandemic hit, so timing was good there. And they were a complete digital firm. I was there for two years, and then this last year, I, uh, this year actually, I, I kind of struck out on my own. Was there something that happened, I've got to ask, like an event or something that occurred where you were like, you know, I'm just going to see how this is going to work going totally on my own? Kind of. <laughs> um, I, so I... After year one, I got a yearly review, and I was told that I was um, irreplaceable, and that uh, that I was, you know, I was helping with all the strategy stuff, um, and that it was not just for our clients, but for our company, and it was going really well. And then um, by the next year, I had helped grow our department massively, and we were having a lot of fun with it. And the review, I don't know if there was a breakdown in communication or what, but uh, it went from uh, I'm, you're irreplaceable to we've hired a replacement. 
And it was very out of left field for me. And and I think at that point in the con there was a lot that happened in between, but at that point in the conversation, I was like, okay. And I, I just I felt like, you know, I'm working on my master's degree now. So I, I'm in a position financially where it kind of made sense to say, okay, let's give this a try. You know what I mean? I think I think I can make this work. And my wife uh, also, strangely enough, is doing a career change. She went from, you know, almost 20 years in nursing to and breaking her back in that to doing the thing that she really loves, which is uh, accounting. So she ended up getting a job for the local school district as their um, as their payroll accountant. And she started this week, absolutely loves it. She's so good at it. And so it just all the stars are aligning right. And my favorite part has always been the, the consulting side of it. So, yeah. Yeah, God. to be able to cha- champion each other and just I, be like you know what so what doesn't matter how old we are doesn't matter how young we are we're just gonna do what we're gonna do because we know we're not gonna stay stuck just keep moving forward yeah awesome yeah. that you have that support and I'll, you know I want to quickly dive into the transition from employee to entrepreneur what were some, some uh, tips and strategies that you could give people for making that transition so part of that, that's a great question. Um, part of the reason that I left is because I felt, um, for lack of better terms, micromanaged. Um, I felt like every minute had to be accounted for. Um, and I was working virtually. I've been working virtually since March of, of last year. So, and I've been more productive, but for some reason I was still being very managed. And I'm the kind of person that needs structure, but if there's too much structure, then I get super frustrated, like most people do, right? Especially when I, I felt like it was unwarranted at the time. So when I transitioned to the entrepreneur side, um, it was kind of interesting for me because I, I, I'm used to waking up at 5.30 every morning. That's, that's my routine. I wake up at 5.30, even though I didn't have to be on the clock until 7.30, right? So it gives you time to wake up, get your breakfast, all that. But now it's, I, have to, I, I keep checklists of all the things that I want to make sure I do. You know, if there's certain clients that I have deadlines for, and I work in a very, very I, – I, I don't know if this is unique because I've only worked for one agency, but I'm very collaborative. So I almost – when I have a client, depending on the project or whatever – um, I almost work as if I am their employee. So I say, okay, this week, these are the things that I'm going to work on on your behalf. We'll touch base here and there and see what's going on. And so it's been like basically being able to not only be my own boss, but basically choose my bosses as, I hi- as, as people get hire me. And that is, is so mind-boggling. When you don't have to be tied to a clock and you can say, okay, I need to step away. I need to grab some lunch. I want to go hang out with my kids for an hour. And that's just, no, I'm going to clock on at 7 o'clock on. At 7 o'clock to do my own, to, to get some work done. There's something to that, the freed up schedule thing that's just awesome. And so if, if you're going to make the transition to entrepreneur, plan, 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 plan your week. And so we'll probably touch on this at some point, but I'm going to throw it in there now because I think it's, it's really relevant. I'm a big fan of not only micro goals and macro goals, but nano goals, day-to-day, sometimes minute-to-minute, hour-by-hour. And so when you have that planned out, whether it's digitally on, uh, on, a, on a phone or written down somewhere, when you have the nano goals of the things you want to get done, the checklist that you want to get done, it makes life so much easier because everything's more organized. So I have a, an office mate here uh, who really wants to leave the room. Can I take just a second and let him out? That's Sunny. Sunny, what do you want? Come here. Come say hi. Come here. Come here. I don't know if you'll be able to see him. Come on. Come here. 
Come on. He's like, oh, uh, no. Oh. This is Sonny. Hi, Sonny. <laughs> He's my office mate. He's like, we're supposed to be done working. Yeah. He literally just hangs out here all day. Yeah. All right, I'm going to let you go. I'll be right back. Sorry. No, it's funny. That's another perk about being an entrepreneur. You can have all your pets just in your office, right? And you're yeah. Out. It's fantastic. My favorite is, like, he'll be dead silent all day, laying on that bed half asleep, and then the minute I get on a call with, like, one of the biggest clients, he's like, you know, somebody's at the door. You have to check it out. And it's nothing. And I'm just going, it's great. It's life. But, you know. If one thing the pandemic has given us, it's a better understanding of what it's like to work from home, and we all seem to communicate better. We all seem to be more compassionate. Oh, I agree completely. I don't know if you guys ever, this is totally off topic, but I don't know if you guys ever saw this video. It was of this newscaster, and he was trying to like deliver the news or the weather, and his kid just like busts in like it's nothing. Yeah. Right? And now yeah, yeah. that's literally everyone's reality with kids. Yep. Oh, so much compassion. My, yep. my favorite one was the the, <laughs> the the lawyer who was a cat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was so great. Um, that's actually, I think the meme is actually lawyer cat. And it's, it's yeah. still huge. In fact, somebody actually, you talk about N NFTs, somebody actually took a video of that and sold it for a ton of money as an NFT. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, brilliant, right? Like my capturing cat. a piece of, oh, so crazy. That's so awesome. Yeah, that, that's one of the better videos I've seen. Yeah. So good. And, and, and just the commentary behind it, too. He's like, I'm not a cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I promise I take this seriously. I'm not a cat. I don't know how to stop this. Yeah. So good. And the cat's just like, you know, oh, so fun. Love that stuff. Uh, you gotta love, You gotta love the judge, too, that was like, I'm sure, trying not to laugh. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He was like probably if you if you put yourself in that judge's place he's probably like a mix between pissed and amused like how do you that's an emotional roller coaster right there at first it's oh that's kind of funny but what are you doing but it's my core yeah I can I can understand yeah, that being in <laughs> <sighs> so many emotions oh my gosh it's either the oh, dog or my son be. right <laughs> that's oh your pup is sweet Sonny appreciate that yeah so. You talked about being able to spot digital trends. Yeah. Is that is that something that you, like you wake up in the morning and you're constantly seeking and looking for them? Or is it more of something you notice just out in the world? What What is that process like for you? It's a little both. So I, I like to say that I can't shut my marketing mind off because it's true. I see marketing in everything. In fact, I went and saw the Paw Patrol movie with my son earlier today. And there's a scene in the movie where uh, they go to this whole new tower and, and all the pups are super excited. And I thought to myself, how the heck did they pay for this thing? Like they just had a huge tower built in the middle of a city in no time. Where did they get the money for it? And uh, I swear, this I, I think it's so funny. But <laughs> the character said, one of the puppies says to, to the main character, um, how can we afford this? And he literally goes, oh, it's officially licensed merch. And he holds up a shirt. And I went, that's brilliant marketing right there. Because one, yes, that merch exists. And two, that explains everything, you know? So I, I can't not see that, first off. But secondly, most people turn on CNN, NBC, ABC, Fox, whatever. They turn on the news, um, NPR. I I look for, I watch, I go to socialmediatoday.com or I look for, I look at The Verge or I look, I, I, I'm a junkie for this stuff. And I look for any little thing that I think could be huge. And when I see that, 
uh, I dive into it, my first thought is, okay, one, is this a flash in the pan? Or two, is this something that I could see telling my current clients or future clients about and how they're going to be able to take advantage of it to grow their business? And that's kind of, I, I've learned, at first I used to have a lot of imposter syndrome, so I would question everything, but now I just trust my gut. And, and after that comes from not being afraid to be vocal about trends as I see them and then seeing them take off and, and knowing, okay, I kind of have a Nostradamus thing with this stuff. Like I, this is a, this is, this is something I'm good at. Trust it. Trust. You guys had an episode a while back where you talked about somebody who was like, trust the universe. That's what's up. It's amazing how much comes from that entrepreneurship, business owner intuition. Where it's like this, it feels right. We just gotta, we gotta go for it. We gotta rip the bandit off. Let's go for it and see what happens. Because if you don't, if you miss the boat, so to speak, that was my experience with Instagram Reels. For yeah, example. I, I tried to tell you. I know. I know. I saw everyone doing these reels, and I was like, eh, mm. eh just one more thing. But it's still doing well. Yeah. So, uh, true story. I have a client that I had worked with um, a while back, and I told him uh, that he needed. This was about two, three months ago. I was like, "Listen, anytime you do video content, try to go live on Instagram and do behind the scenes of it, so that you can get a whole another piece of content, or do a behind the scenes reel." And he did. He threw together a behind the scenes reel, and it had um, ten thousand five hundred views in less than twenty four hours. And he yeah. said it was the most successful thing. Reels are a big deal. But the good news is you're, you, you have a chance to make it up, okay? I know you guys are big on Facebook. Facebook has just announced that they are testing Facebook Reels. That is the Instagram Reels for Facebook in India, which means it's coming to America probably in the next couple months. So, you know what I'm going to say? Yeah. Jump well, on that show. ads now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Short form. My account has, still has not been approved. Oh, that's going to drive me nuts. I've spent so much. I've spent millions of dollars with Facebook. Why can't you just give me these permissions, please? I still, like, the ability to put captions on reels and all that. Nope. Sorry. (laughs) My account's so old. Let me ask this. Do you have access, if you go to post something on your personal account, do you have access to Facebook rooms? Like, it, it usually says post, post picture. So I'm a beta tester for that and didn't even know it. So Rooms was officially announced for groups. Now, if you're in any groups, you can see that you have Rooms, blah, blah, blah. Well, th- I, if I go to post a, uh, uh, just a regular Facebook post, I have the option to start a room at any time, and I can invite anybody I'm connected with. I thought everybody had that. <laughs> One can dream. If you do, I mean, since you do, yay, jump, jump on that. Like, yeah. if those opportunities are presented to you, oh, my gosh. Like, Rory, for example... You have the ability to run ads on Reels. Do it. Do I, it. I would. I would just. Ugh. Well, especially so you're going to get a you're going to get a huge edge there, especially with them doing the testing of Facebook Reels. I mean, if you have the ads already there, that I mean, early adopters get the lion's share of, of everything. You guys know this. Hundred Preaching the converted. And, and that's um, you know I t- that's what I talk about. Like opportunities change. Mm-hmm. Right. You have to utilize the ones that are available now to you, you know, whatever it is. Because, I, like, I remember back when Facebook ads were, like, you know, not even a cent to get a lead, right? <laughs> and, you know, now, I mean, you're like, how many dollars or hundreds of dollars am I spending to get a lead? Yeah. Right? Um, the opportunity even before that. Changed, right? <laughs> you have to, not to cut you off, but, like, even before that, even before that, it's like, 
how the hell do I set up the retargeting for this? Because Facebook's changed again. Yep. You know? But yeah, still does. Are a great opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I, I know uh, we had an episode where I was talking about like priming the pixel. Yes. I stole that. I'm sorry, Rory. I stole the hell out of that. I stole the ever living hell out of that. And I, God, I use it like, like it's my job because it kind of is, but yeah, but I do give you a lot of credit. Like when I'm talking to clients, I'm like, listen, if you haven't checked out the big picture business podcast, you need to, these guys were on point with this, but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I want to hear what you have to say. I appreciate that. But I wanted to know, like, how are you using that in your business and with your clients, um, you know, uh, to you know, start Facebook account, ad accounts and things like that and to really like get everything prepared for running actual marketing. So the Facebook likes campaign idea that you that you spoke about where you keep one, where you start at a certain budget and then you lower it and you just keep it running. <laughs> um, that right there is gold. Like I, I, I always thought of, and I've talked about this on my show, I've talked about this with clients. I always thought of likes as a vanity metric. I didn't see the actual value of Duh, you know, this this shows Facebook literally who your audience is. So I've had I have a lot of clients now who are down to not a lot of ad spend on likes campaigns, but they keep it trickling because that algorithm's always learning and you gotta feed it, you know. So I, I that was probably the most valuable takeaway I had from that episode. That's one of my favorite episodes you guys have done because I started out just listening passively and then by the time I was home I had to start over and grab a notebook because I'm like, Oh, this is brilliant, this is gold. So yeah. So you wanna know where I get my news from? It's you guys. <laughs> a big oh, chunk of it, awesome. right there. Thanks. Yeah, Rory's Rory is constantly just dropping these golden nuggets of knowledge on me, and same thing. I'm like, okay, wait, pause. I gotta, I write this down. So much good information. Wondered if I that was what you're, you're providing. So much great information today. Like I'm like taking notes too. <laughs> Seriously, mom. Yeah, um, but. Something uh, we wanted to ask you about, because we know you do a lot of SEO, but we wanted to dive into the VEO. Yeah. Voice right. engine optimization. Absolutely. So that's a great point. It, it is something that is is critical because there are a lot of people think of the algorithm, right? And they don't realize that there's not one. There's many, many, many algorithms. And it's not just Facebook that has many algorithms. It's Instagram. It's YouTube. It's it's, um, I mean, heck, Netflix has a bunch of algorithms, right? Mm-hmm. So um, the voice engine optimization is huge because uh, everybody is asking Siri or they're asking, um, nobody uses Cortana anymore, let's be honest, but they were asking Alexa. Cortana for a while. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Alexa, Google. Um, half the time I'm talking, my assistant picks up and is like, yeah, what do you need? But um, I'm always listening. But it's if just because you get so say um, digital marketing strategy is something you want to get found for in SEO right so you write these awesome blogs and you, you follow all the rules you do all the cross links and all that stuff well here's the problem with that just because I can get listed number one organically in my area geographically for those keywords doesn't necessarily mean that if somebody asks a question that it's gonna come up with me it'll pick up whoever's VEO optimized best right so when it comes to voice engine optimization you have to think about it this way the the old concept of um, okay 
let's figure out search intent. People search for basic keywords when they're trying to info seek. They, the more detailed the, the question, it's the more specific, they're closer to the decision making process. Well, with voice engine optimization, most of that is straight up out the window because we talk to our voice assistants. We talk to those. So when you're writing a blog, the, it's so, so the cool thing is a lot of the voice engine optimization stuff is the same principles of SEO. So if you've done your keyword research and you understand long tail keywords and questions and related keywords, that sort of thing, if you are writing content, long form content, which I have an update on that in a minute too, put a pin in it. If, you, uh, if you're writing long form content, if you, for like your H2 or H3 headers in that, if you frame it in a question as if it's the person asking the question, what you'll find out is that there will be, um, you'll get found easier on voice is what it comes down to. Because voice uses three things. They use one, who answers a question most directly. Two, whose uh, vicinity, location wise, is closest to you, especially if it's a product or service. And three, uh, how credible is that source? So using old school SEO, does it have a lot of backlinks? Is it something that people click on a lot? Is it, is it returning the best, uh, um, you know, is it, is it what people are looking for essentially, right? So right. when you frame, when you're writing out content or you're doing video content, this is especially important on YouTube um, with titles or in the description, you know, you got 5,000 characters, you might, might as well use them, right? Think about it that way because if somebody wants to see a video about something and you have that video, literally write out those words because even though voice recognition software is getting more and more advanced the algorithms are going to be able to transcribe all of that in fact they can in some cases with closed captioning that right there is 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 a key part they still read the descriptions i always tell people the descriptions aren't necessarily for the viewer it's for the algorithm that's my thought on it so on websites, um, having like an FAQ section can be really valuable then, right? So FAQ is my favorite. So um, FAQ is such a golden uh, opportunity area for a lot of reasons. One, it's an excellent way to get featured on snippets. Two, it's easy to repurpose that content into short form video. You want to, not sure what to do a 30 second video on? Boom, pick one of your favorite FAQs, right? A lot of times if you check your, your um, Google uh, analytics, you see that the questions are things that people are searching for that they're finding you for anyway, there's an FAQ, right? And so a, a lot of the, the FAQ is absolutely perfect for that. Um, also know that VEO uh, likes bullet points and they like numbers. The, the algorithms for Google, they love bullet points and numbers because it's easy to read off. It's easy for it to understand. Uh, it's all about hierarchy. Another key, key thing here is um, it's trying to figure out an answer within nanoseconds, right? So the easier you make it for the Google crawlers to do that, the better off you'll be. That's amazing. Hi. Sorry, it's so distracting. It's good, no. Uh, I'm not a cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Keep talking. So valuable. Keep no, talking. yeah, no problem. So, <laughs> I love this. So uh, what I was getting at is this. If you, when you have the hierarchy with the H2, H3, H4, all the way up to H5, that's that's golden for voice. And and I actually even do that uh, if I'm doing FAQ. You know, the question will be the H2 or H3, either way, and then I'll I'll go into it. I make a mini blogs. I mean, it's short form content, but it's still golden. And in some cases, they're their own unique pages. Um, but before I forget, I do want to tell you. So I've always told my clients that 600 words or more 
is what it takes to be considered long-form content. Uh, I recently read, and I can't cite my source here, I wish I could, but I take in so much it's hard. Um, it's now bare minimum of 1,200 words, 1,200 to um, 1,500 words to be considered uh, long-form content. So anything less than that is now short-form content, which means it doesn't get indexed as a blog, which means it's less SEO value. I mean, I guess that makes sense just based on how flooded things are, how many yep. people are just logging to their heart's content. Do you feel like that happened because of COVID and more people online reinventing themselves, or has that been like the standard even before the last year and a half or so? Well, I think I think the reason that that happened is probably because you know Google looks for people who are not just regurgitating information but giving their own take, adding to the knowledge of the virtual universe. The metaverse, if you will, but the metaverse good segue. Getting good at that, um, but that's that's the whole thing. Is Google really wants to provide not only value but unique, valuable insights? Because I mean, let's let's face it. Yes, attention is currency, but the easiest way to grab attention is to show something that nobody's seen before. The problem is that's impossible. Everybody's seen everything at this point, right? So when you're able to add your own unique take on something. You know, it's it's an interesting balancing act because you still want to be able to cite your source, right? You still want to be credible in that aspect, but you you want to dive just a little bit deeper than that. Um, and I think that Google has come to realize that the more information you provide, the better. I remember now my source. It's SEM Rush. There was a blog on SEM Rush, and that's SEM Rush is gold. But um, yeah, so that's that. I think I think it is. People have been home. They've been blogging more. They've been writing more. They've been vlogging more. They've been looking for ways to connect, and so when you provide more data, Google likes it better. So they've just kind of changed the definition. Aside from search engines, I'm, I'm, I really want your take on this. I know how important alt text is when it comes to social media posts. Yeah. Do you recommend that to your clients? Do you recommend it for every post? What's like the guideline that you teach involving alt text? So alt text is an interesting thing. Um, I recommend it all the time anyway because of accessibility. I mean, it, what it really right. comes down to is that I don't care what platform you're on. I don't care if it's Google. I don't care if it's Facebook. I don't care if it's LinkedIn, Instagram. Every platform wants to keep you on that platform and wants to help you connect. They want to give you the best experience. And if you're somebody who you know has to use the aid of a screen reader, for example, that, that alt text matters because you don't have the same experience. In fact, there was a, a, a while back where websites, the WCAG 2.0 or 2.1, wherever we're at, um, for those who don't speak nerd like us, uh, <laughs> website compatibility guidelines, um, accessibility guidelines, rather. So there was a while there where there was law firms in California that were suing big companies who didn't have alt descriptions because users weren't getting the same experience, and so it was discrimination. And that's, I mean... If you think about it, it takes a few minutes to write something out. You're giving more keyword value. You're giving more of a chance to get discovered. And frankly, you're giving people a better experience, which is better overall. So I always recommend alt text, um, meta descriptions, all that stuff. Yeah. Awesome. Good. Yay. What were we going to say, Roy? Um, I was going to say it. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. Metaverse. Let's get into this. Let's get into this, okay? Because... For those of you who have no idea what we're talking about here, Metaverse, this is something Facebook has finally said, I think this week, like, we're doing this. It's official. Metaverse is coming. Get ready for it. Can you tell the listeners, Stephen, 
what the heck that is, what we can expect, the good, bad, the ugly, what you foresee. Lay some knowledge on me. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds cool though, doesn't it? Yeah. Sci-fi, I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, no, the metaverse is a big deal. In fact, Zuckerberg said within the next 10 years, Facebook won't be a social media platform. It'll be a metaverse platform. So it, it is a big deal. It will impact uh, everyday users. It'll impact um, businesses in a big way. Um, and it will ironically fold into some of the other things we've spoken about, cryptocurrency, NFTs, all of that will fold into it. So the metaverse, the best way to describe the metaverse is it's kind of the Internet of Things virtually. It's the place where technology, virtual reality, AR, um, right now we're in the metaverse. Right now, this is the metaverse. When you can have conversations with people on the other side of the planet, on the other side of the country, um, virtually, as if you were sitting right there, that's the metaverse. But it doesn't have to be 2D. So here's the misconception people get. Um, in fact, today, Zuckerberg announced that, uh, well, Facebook, it wasn't just him, uh, they announced a thing called Workrooms, Horizon Workrooms, okay? And Horizon Workrooms uses the Oculus 2 technology, and it's virtual spaces where you have an avatar. And I think that they've been working on this for a while. So anybody who's been on Facebook knows that you were able to put, make yourself an avatar, and that was kind of cool. The And they've talked about rooms, which they've made, right? I think ultimately they want to make it so that the connectability is so simple that anybody logging in from any device in the world will be able to connect virtually. The idea behind these workrooms is that you can share, it's like having a virtual meeting like this, except if I were wearing the Oculus, I could turn to the left, there's Rory, turn to the right, and there you are. And, and the crazy part about it is you can share because we all have our own virtual workspaces with like six screens or however many screens we want that we take with us. You can share five documents at once. So you're not just screen sharing one document or whatever. And there'd be a virtual dry erase board, all of this stuff. So it's, it's a virtual space. But what's really crazy about it is it's not just virtual reality. We could look up on our virtual conference room wall and there's somebody who joined from Zoom. So they would have access to it too. So to put this in a different term, um, Ariana Grande, I want to say, maybe, uh, did a full-on concert uh, on Fortnite. And they basically had a lobby where people could log in and it was like a two-hour concert virtually through Fortnite. And all these kids got together and they met. Um, my son plays a lot of Roblox. Roblox, it, that's, all, that's all virtual. And the funny thing is, he's interacting with the real world because he's got his phone that he's using. He's, uh, <laughs> you have to spend Robux, which... If you're a parent, Roblox is a money suck. There's a reason that their stock is through the roof right now. Anyway, uh, I digress. So, um, but he can, you spend real money to get essentially NFTs, virtual things, right? And so he's in the meta, the meta universe. He's, he's there. Um, and even Minecraft, my daughter plays Minecraft and she gets on, she's got like four friends and they build a world together virtually. And you know, she can't physically interact with it. However, if she had Microsoft's headset, there's a virtual reality there. Heck, even the, the PlayStation headset has a virtual reality thing. So it's it's essentially removing a barrier for connection and making you feel like you can connect to the person next to you. So I'm going to throw this out there. This is something I've been giving a lot of thought to. I haven't said anything on my podcast on any platform before. So we were talking about how I kind of get these feelings. I want to put this out there, and it's more so that in a year, two years, three years, I can look back and go, I knew that. Um, have you guys ever heard of the company Magic Leap? No. So Magic Leap is a company that Facebook, uh, I'm sorry, no, Google uh, invested 
millions, if not like two billion, a ridiculous amount of money into, and it's a startup. Okay, it was a startup. This was a few years ago, and Magic Leap is a is a it's it's an augmented reality. But the crazy part about it is, you put on the headset, and instead of showing you a screen, it projects it into your eyeballs. So, right, it's That's backwards. Scary. Well, it's crazy. So if you just Google, if you YouTube Magic Leap, you'll see it. But there's like uh, they showed where these kids were all in. Uh, a big auditorium, uh, or I'm sorry, a basketball court, and all of a sudden this giant whale leaped out of the basketball court, and it looked like he was right there. There was a place where this little girl opened her hands, and there was a baby elephant standing on her hands, and it looked like it was just there. It's all augmented reality, but the one that I really liked was he. there was a virtual workspace where this person, like, essentially Tony Stark the hell out of it. It, it. You know what I mean? Like, you think Iron Man, Tony Stark, the augmented reality, Jarvis, all that? That's what Magic Leap is. Now, they went completely, and, and they talk about, you know, uh, yeah, I, I played chess with Abraham Lincoln uh, last night. He was sitting on my couch and we played chess. And it's, it's all programmed and it's all virtual there, so it tracks your fingers so you can do that. I firmly believe that uh, if this company, I don't know what happened to it. I haven't looked into it. But that company will make a huge leap forward in, in the meta, meta realm um, very soon. The technology sounds so interesting. In just doing a quick Google search here while you're talking, it says that in April 2020, Magic Leap decided to shut down its consumer division and laid off, I know, about 1,000 employees, and that's half its workforce. Yeah. And then in May 2020, um, the existing CEO said that he would replace himself, uh, but still staying on board for, for development. So I guess it looks like uh, the company just got a major lifeline with a $350 million raise. So the technology is still... It's there. Uh, it'll make a comeback. because it's just a matter of the consumer side temporarily paused. Well, I mean, you had the, the Google Glasses for a long time, right? And that was a super, super early version of, of, of this augmented reality. And <laughs> there's a great SNL bit where he's like, Peacock, Peacock. And he's trying to connect to the Wi-Fi for NBC. And uh, <laughs> so good. Um, but... I, I don't think that that's far off. And I think the hardest part about it is, Mark Zuckerberg said this in a, in a recent interview, the hardest part about it is people don't really want to wear a big clunky headset, especially if they're cla claustrophobic. But how do you fit what is essentially a supercomputer into this, into a tiny glasses frame? You're, we're talking about all the connections that you need, essentially speakers, uh, which bone conduction headsets, I don't know if you're familiar, but I actually have some. Bone conduction headphones, I think, are going to be the thing that, that they end up using for that, too. But the technology will have to catch up. And with, you know, nanobots and all the crazy stuff that they can do with that, uh, that's where I think it'll really take off. When you can show me a set of glasses instead of a giant clunky headset, that's the part that is next level. And I think we're probably eight years out from that, if that. It's, it's fascinating to think about Google Glass. So I grew up in the Bay Area, right? Yeah. And so I, I moved into the South Bay, deep into the Silicon Valley, and I would see people like riding their bikes to work with Google Glass on. I'm thinking, what are you paying attention to? It's like super distracting. But from where I'm sitting, it looks like wearables overall kind of failed just because no one really, I mean, from the Google side of things, I don't know if it wasn't cool enough or what, but it seemed interesting. And I know like the Google, um, or like the Apple Watch, you know, the Apple Watches, people are into that, that's great. Um, but I'm, I'm, I am very curious to see where this is going to go, because obviously to be in an augmented reality, you've got to like stick something on your face. Yep. So what is going to become cool? And I can't really speak to this because I, like from a, is it cool or is it not cool? Because I've never done the 
Oculus, any of that, it totally freaks me out. I like to be in this reality. So just, just knowing things are like moving in that direction, I know I need to be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, being a parent now, kind of, I mean, just, just seeing how things are, are going. It's cool. I get, I get the, the technology and like the, just the incredible leaps that are, that have been made since, I mean, I'm the last generation where I remember when there wasn't a computer. This is it. I mean, yeah. I, I remember, like, the internet was born, and I, I was part of that transition. Don't you love saying yeah. I'm older than the internet? Yeah, <laughs> I'm older than the internet. Yeah, Apparently. my nephew asked me that once. He said, "How old are you?" And I was like, "I'm older than Facebook. <laughs> I'm older than the internet." So, you're old. The way you know it, I'm old. And the sad thing is, yeah. I'm only forty. We're, here's here's something that'll really blow your mind, and my mother-in-law didn't get it, and she's she's from another generation, but. I told this to my wife and she about cried. I said, do you realize that we're closer to 2050 than we are in 1990? <laughs> the look on both your faces, I'm sorry. It's true though. I mean, that's the, the time has just flown by and technology is advancing so rapidly. It's, it's nearly impossible to figure out where we're going to be. But I think the challenge for us as marketers is how do we advise people to be aware of this? So like the NFT side, one of my clients was like, should I be getting into NFTs? And I was like, well, uh, not for what you do. You know what I'm saying? If you want to do it on, on, on a personal level, that might be a good investment, might not. It's, it's a gamble. But where what I was thinking when I heard about the metaverse is, okay, from a marketing perspective, one, it would be brilliant to sponsor a virtual uh, concert, one. Two, it would be brilliant to invest in a virtual billboard. So if you know that they're going to have this virtual concert, reach out, see who you've got to be to have your logo hovering in the background the entire time. That brand awareness and being tied to that event, because let's face it, we're in the world of now. It is moment by moment. People invest now less in physical objects than they do in moments and in connection. And I think that's, you know, COVID really pushed people to want to connect so badly. And it opened our world in ways we never thought possible. So I think that that's where, you know, to kind of bring it back to the metaverse thing, that's the marketing aspect of it is, okay, yes, you should be paying attention to it. But on what level kind of depends on where you want your business to go. Yeah, really good advice. Uh, well, rather, go ahead, Ray. I, I was going to say, like, the, the thing, like, technology is moving forward. It's moving really fast. fast. Problem is, is humans inherently as a whole don't have buy-in to new things. Sure. And it's, it stalls new technology from catching on. Why do you think that is? Well, you have early adopters, right? In any market. Yep. But it's usually a small segment. People like to wait and see until something is proven and usually wait longer than they should wait. Yeah. Because of being scared of the risk, right? Social currency, yeah. That's where we end up um, where, like, electric cars have been around for, like, 30 years or more, right? But why is it only just starting now to actually be possible for, you know, people to have them as everyday life? Mm -hmm. Because they weren't investing in making the technology, even though it's you know, better for the environment or whatever. Um, you know, they weren't investing in the technology even though it existed because there wasn't enough people interested in it and willing to say, I'm going to make this a part of my life. 
I think we'll run into some of that yeah. with this technology. Just like Dominica said, like you were saying, that you don't want to be outside of real reality. Other people, a lot of people are going to feel like that. There's going to be pushback against it. And then things will get stuck in litigation and it'll be harder to pass laws. There'll be rules, there'll be regulations about how it can be used, not used, etc. Um, that's going to take a long time to sort through before it actually becomes a real part of everybody's reality. Yeah, yeah. Governing the space, I think, is going to be a very real challenge. I think it already is, you know. Um, it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting challenge, and I think that's why it's more important to be an early adopter because yeah. you'll get your name out there. You know, worst case scenario, if it completely bombs and nothing happens of it, you learn, you grow. <laughs> that's, that's really yeah. what it comes down to. You, you lose nothing except for a little bit of time, which isn't really even lost because you've invested. Yeah. So I think right. the, the biggest thing that, like, as, as business owners, we can take away from any of this is that new technologies are being created and we have to be the early adopters if we want to benefit from that. Yeah. Right? Yep. Because like you said, um, whether it's, uh, you know, reels or it's something with, inst- uh, uh, with Facebook or it's something with um, LinkedIn, uh, what, what ends up happening? The platforms and the algorithms in, you know, and the owners of the companies, they want to push it out to as many people as possible right away to get people to buy in to using it. That's why the organic well, reach, yeah. They over expose it, which means you can get additional exposure exposure in the beginning until it's adopted by enough people. When it's adopted by enough people, then it starts trickling down. We saw that like uh, Facebook Lives used to be like 10 times the traffic yeah. of anything else on Facebook. And then suddenly it was like barely getting any traction you know, a few years later. Yep. Right? Very because true. Because their whole model is based on advertising, so they're going to give organic exposure to new stuff and then dip it down and then make you pay advertising to use that technology with the platform. So be on the forefront of this stuff is the main point here. Yeah. I, I, I have a little bit of a difference of opinion on this one. Can I share? Yeah. Sure. So I, yes, I'm fully on board with the, it is important to be the front runner, get there, do it. We can learn from it. If it sucks, move on. I totally get that. But certain aspects for me, like I'm still living in the day and age where I refuse to use Bluetooth earbuds. I won't do it. Like I'm still, I'm so wired because for me, it just, it, I'm concerned that it's going to have some sort of repercussions later on that we don't know about. I'm that nerd going through the airport where I'm like, female assist, I refuse to go through like the, the freaking radiation spin thing, which in reality, it's probably fine. But it, I'm, I'm weird that way. I just, I don't want any extra stuff, you know? And so that's my concern from, from like the mama bear standpoint of like, how far are we going to go with technology that's being, that's being branded as this great tool when really we don't know what it could potentially turn into later. Yeah. Well, but that goes exactly back to what I was saying is that yeah. you're going to have a whole group of people who feel exactly the same way who aren't going to want to adopt the technology. 
I was just talking from a marketing standpoint, when new technology comes that you can utilize in your business, I'm not talking about like, um, you know, personal opinions about whether or not, you know, your radiation at the airport, <laughs> get it or not, right? Because th that's personal choice. Everyone has that choice to make, Yeah. right? If they so want to and are informed. But I, I like the radiation, it kills the parasites. <laughs> that the government it's, put in me so, oh my gosh it's so hard for me because like the, 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 the marketing mind and like the tech nerd is like all about it until I'm faced with it I'm like oh I don't know it's tough it's like it's a it's this constant internal battle with myself it's like are we turning into Wally? -E? you know yeah. that there you go perfect that's the metaverse those people yeah. floating around on the chairs that's the yeah. metaverse that's what I'm saying. And that, to me, it totally freaks me out. But I also see how, how for people who, you know, maybe it's, um, we're talking about people who are disabled and they can't travel and they can't go places. What an amazing gift. All these amazing tools that technology affords us. Mm -hmm. It's it's about finding a balance, right? Like, I, I feel like that's so important with every bit of technology. you got to find the balance of what works for you and your business. Does it make sense for your brand? Can it come alongside and actually, you know, help boost exposure or whatever it is? And I think we just have to continue to make those decisions based on, you know, all of our morals and whatnot and weird idiosyncrasies or whatever, you know. Well, I would, I would argue that that's, that's the challenge of the company is he who makes it the most accessible, the fastest, is the winner. Because here's the thing. I, I mentioned these before. Um, this particular brand... Uh, these are bone conduction. They sound better if I'm wearing earplugs because they bypass the ears, the eardrums, and they put it through bone vibrations into my head. I didn't start with these. I started with the wired ones. I, these are Bluetooth, right? So if, if you can offer the opportunity to join into whatever the technology is, you know, it's the same concept as, okay, so here's the best way to put it. It's kind of like, um, should I be on every platform? No, but you should go all in on the platforms you're on, right? That's the, that's a general rule, right? That being said, do you want to have something in in each platform? Maybe you know what I mean because the if if say for example, you guys, this is perfect. Oh my god! So here's the deal: big picture business. You guys do this as a YouTube video. You promote it as um, not only uh, let's see YouTube, Facebook, Instagram ads. You promote each show that way. You also have it, obviously, as a podcast, right? The growth of podcasts on Instagram is through the roof. I'm sure you could transcribe this entire conversation and make a massive set of blogs out of it. And the reason that we do that is because you want to give the content in the way that your audience is going to consume it. Some people can't. They don't. They don't want to sit down and read. Some people can't. They don't. They don't want to have their face shown on a camera on a Zoom call. That's why you can turn off the camera. And still be a part of it. That's why you can dial in, right? So it's all about it, you know, back to the accessibility thing. The more accessible, the better. That's that's my thought on all of it. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. And what, what I love about this conversation is like you're preaching to the choir. Yeah, I really am. I'm sorry. I know. Well, you know. Oh, oh, don't apologize. You're my people, frankly. You're no, my people. It's great because these are the types of conversations we love having because, um, you know, as the podcast as a whole, we want people to like see how like we run businesses and how we approach the mindset behind what we do because that's what has led to the success yeah and 
without that type of mindset and being curious and being willing to um, try things um, and test things, we wouldn't be where we're at and our clients wouldn't be where they're at. Amen. Amen. Yeah, it's, so, it's great. Go ahead. No, 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 please. No, I was going to say, it's, it's great because um, when I talk to people, I have, I have a real passion about marketing, obviously. And when I talk to clients, you know, you have to keep your audience in mind. So I'm talking about things that are here and they're here. <laughs> and so, you know, it, I, I get carried away sometimes and they, they're like, I'm going to hire you because you're enthusiastic. Not because, and, and because I trust you know what you're talking about based on the fact that you know a lot about it. But, you know, so I have to remember. So the nice thing about talking to you guys is you, you are my people. Like when I'm speaking to you guys, I feel, I feel like I don't have to translate or re-speak or repurpose what I'm trying to say. So that's nice. I hear you. This is my happy place. When we can speak nerdy to each other, it's my favorite thing. And I, I got to tell you, I've, I've gone through that so many times and I've had to train myself not to dumb it down. That's not the right term. Yeah. Just to, to, speak, to speak to the audience, to be very clear. Like, don't use a bunch of acronyms. I was just telling Rory that the other day. It's like sometimes we get going in acronyms and we got to slow it way down and go, okay, let's, let's back this up to make it palatable. Yeah. But just like, just like you said, Stephen, like people are like, you know what? I don't know what you're talking about, but you sound like, you know, what's up. So <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and hire you yeah. so we can work, you know, go both ways. Right. Yeah. You have, you have to show that you're an expert and that you know what you're talking about. But at the same time, you also have to be able to have conversations with people so that they can understand more and more um, as I have, um, students as opposed to done for you clients mm -hmm. I'm realizing how far I have to go back to just the basics to where maybe I was 15 years ago isn't it awesome that right? we visit though isn't well, it just yeah. humbling to be like wow there's actually then you, but then you go oh okay I see where they're coming from They've never been exposed to some of this stuff, and that's fine. Yeah, it's funny because some things that's never go out there. Exactly. So the SWOT analysis is a prime example of that. I talked about it on one of my shows that I believe, you know, for those who are not in the marketing world, it's it's taking a real close look at, at your internal strengths and weaknesses and the external opportunities and threats, right? That's the, that's the old school marketing, so it's been around forever, right? Still super relevant. And when you can reframe that and teach people to how to do that, you're teaching them competitive analysis basics. I, one of my favorite books of all time is How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. And it's, this thing has so many tabs in it, but these are concepts from 90 years ago, still 1000% relevant. So some things truly are timeless. And, and even if we have to preach it a thousand times over, it's new. Um, a, a great analogy is, uh, ever since I was about six years old, I, I was into magic tricks. I love magic tricks, I always have. My uncle pulled a quarter out of my ear from nowhere and then all of a sudden pulled it out of the same quarter out of his own nose. It, it was magic, right? And so I was addicted. I loved it. And when I, a few years ago, I had found a book from like 1920 and it was from a guy named Howard Thurston. It was like 200 tricks you can do and 200 more tricks you can do. And I'm reading through it. And these are all tricks that he had done and Houdini really liked this guy. And so it was a big deal. But what was amazing is I took a lot of those tricks and I modernized them with a new deck of cards thinking because this book's been around for 100 years, of course, everybody's going to know it, right? And it turns out they'd been forgotten about. 
nobody so i looked brilliant and here i'm just repurposing content from a hundred years ago and that's kind of how it is with just about everything what goes around comes around it's the cyclical nature of life right and um when you can recognize those type of things and figure out how to repurpose them to fit other needs um it's magical in fact i think that the biggest thing that we've all three kind of tiptoed around is it's very audience specific not only that but it's very client specific so one of the things that I, I it drives me nuts is if a client comes to me and says, hey, are you familiar with this? And I'm not. I, I have no problem owning it and saying, you know, I've not heard of that. Let me do a little research and get back to you. But the, the accountability side of that is then I have to do that, right? And so it's not going to be for everybody. It's not going to be for everybody. And So an interesting thing about recording a podcast on Anchor, and no, this is not like some mid-roll ad for Anchor, is that it only lets you go for an hour, and I forgot because it's been a long time since I've had a guest, but it lets you go for 60 minutes uh, before it makes you stop. Um, So I had to, I interrupted myself on accident, um, but I caught it and I hit record again, and so now you're about to hear part two of my conversation with... Um, the hosts of Big Picture Business Podcast. Um, Thanks for sticking with it. I hope you found value so far, and if so, make sure that you follow their podcast as well as mine. Let's get back to it. Definitely good stuff. Um, I I pay attention to the languaging and the positioning, right? Yep. Of, Of influence that's used to get people to make and choose decisions that you want them to make. Because I'm not a wordsmith, but um, at the, uh, but it is so powerful that you can use your language to influence multiple people all at once Yep. to get them to do what you want. Now, not only language, but visuals and, and uh, even more. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably we'll get into like augmented influence pretty soon right yeah 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 <laughs> and you're not wrong virtual yeah. influence and all of that stuff right yep but um as as part of being a business owner like un- just understanding that you are having influence in the world is really um foundational yeah to what what we do um and that whether you do something or whether you don't do something you know has an impact thousand percent on your life it has an impact on the lives of the people that you work with and you know you're the one who gets to choose whether it's a good impact or not right so what do you want that to look like for yourself i agree my my son does youtube and uh he he i let him do youtube because he loves youtube and he wants to be a youtube star and me being me how can i tell him no you can't be a content creator (laughs) Hypocrite? I mean, (laughs) yeah. So he has a YouTube channel, and he has um, like 31 followers, right? And he kept saying, Dad, why don't I have a million followers? And I said, what you don't understand is that if you have more than, if you have one person that subscribes to you, if you have one person that follows your page, if you have one person that reads your content, that's an impact. That's it. That's, That's it. You've just, that person has taken time out of their life to give to you. And if they've been nice enough to subscribe to you, that's a whole circle of people. I mean, that, I, I, I tell this to clients a lot. You hit something really close to home for me there, Rory. 
I tell clients this a lot. You have influence on every platform you're on in every interaction you have. Your job is to make it as positive as humanly possible. I firmly believe the secret to life is that, and, and what you're supposed to, the purpose of life, the reason that we're all alive is to leave this world a little bit better than when we came into it. So I do that on a very, very nano level. With every interaction I have, I make a conscious effort, if, if at all possible, to say, okay, is this person better off? Or am, did I learn something from this? How did, how did this experience come out stronger and better? And when we're talking about audience and, and how many followers you have, it doesn't matter because one person is enough to make a huge change. And that there is exactly why your business growth is going to shoot through the roof. <laughs> Fingers crossed. I hope so. I hope so. Well, you just keep doing that. Because that it really is. Um, when you put your your clients first, you put their interests at heart and do everything you can to serve them, um, it just comes back. Ten hundred a million times fold. I yeah, feel like it, it's crazy. Yeah. But it doesn't always happen like day one and it doesn't happen in ways you expect. Patience. Yeah. Patience and relationships, not transactionships. <laughs> yeah. Gotta get that in there. And you know, I, I really feel like as a marketer, as marketers, we have a great responsibility. It's a lot. It's it's amazing when clients come to us and they're they're trusting us with their baby. You know, it's like, okay, look, here's what I've done up to this point. How can you help me? It's the ultimate responsibility. And then we walk around in the world, like how this conversation started, where it's like I know so much, and sometimes I know too much where I have to remove myself from situations because I'm like, there is so much wrong with this, but they didn't hire me to share this, I'm gonna walk away, or let me please help you, like let me give you some information here. It's a lot of responsibility, and so, you know, for all, for all of you listening, if you're considering hiring a marketing agency, a marketing consultant, a business growth consultant, a coach, whatever that looks like, whether it's one of us from this call, if you want to chat with Steven, I'm sure we'll have a link in the show notes for that. But listen, be looking for an individual who has similar values and morals behind what it is that we're trying to accomplish and that we do accomplish again and again with our clients. Yep. Truly. You know, not just the flash in the pan, not the, I'm going to get you a million followers and here's how we'll do it. No, like it, it stems from this genuine, this genuine real want to help you succeed yep and that is why we do what we do and i love so much that yes even though we do similar things that we can still come on calls like this and share knowledge it's not a competition it's let's all continue to add value together for the greater good so that people can continue to level up and break through those growth plateaus and that is why we have the big picture business podcast yeah so thank, thank you for taking, taking i'm the happy time to do with it us. You know, and this is this is so cool. So, I'm happy about it. How can people connect with you? What is the very best way? Instagram, website, what do you got? So on, on all of the social platforms, it's uh, TDGR Podcast, which stands for the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast. Because when an idea hits you like a deep gripping, it's it's deep, it's gripping, it grabs you, right? That's the Deep Gripping Reality. So TDGR Podcast at TD, on, on all the platforms. Um even a clubhouse and a bunch of other weird ones that you've probably never heard of. Um, but that's that's one way. Also, my website is a marketingstrategy.com. 
and um, I get all the messages from there. And uh, so, you know, obviously, if you want to check it out there, um, that's probably one of the best ways to get a hold of me. Um, and I, I, I do free consultations. I mean, that's that's if if I have one flaw as a business owner, it's that I give away way too much for free. Like, ugh, you know, the old the Joker saying of if you're good at something, never do it for free. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> so you get one free consultation usually. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times you have, um, especially if you're selling high ticket, you know, product services, most people don't realize is that you have to be willing to give away more than you actually think you should if you're wanting to stand out and to actually make the sales these days. Yep. Things have changed. Yep. That's, that's what I keep uh, saying to everyone is, you know, you're going to have to step up and put out more than more and be willing to let go of some of the quote-unquote secrets and share that with no intention of actually getting a, a client out of it. You may not. Yeah. Um, that's perfectly fine. But if you, you go in with that attitude, I'm just here to serve you, to help you, it magically just circles around and comes back somehow. You, know, you don't even know because it might be like three years later when you spoke with someone, they come back and they're like, um, hey, you know, um, I've got this uh, this person I think would be perfect to work with you. I mean, it happens all the time. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's awesome. It's full circle. You put it out into the universe and go, okay, <coughs> I'm open. I'm open to whatever opportunity. We even, Rory, I don't know if you saw this. We got a comment on, a, on, a, on one of our YouTube videos last week that said, how is this free? Like, <laughs> I'm getting so much value. And I'm like, yay, yay. That's exactly what we're after, you know? Well, Give it away because at the end of the day, nobody can do exactly what we do. You know what I mean? Because we're all super unique in the way that we do things. And that's what makes that's what makes it so valuable. So, yes, keep giving it all the ways you can. I mean, you got to pay your bills, of course, but you know, give it away as you can. And then, Stephen, you also mentioned that you've got this amazing product in the pipeline, right? Yeah, so I'm going to be launching, um, hopefully by the time that this episode goes live, I'll have it ready to go, and it'll be available on marketingstrategy.com. Um, but I've put together a, a really comprehensive guide with tons of little checklists in it for you know how to how to how to create a complete and comprehensive social media strategy. And as of right now, I've included a bonus SEO checklist guide, um, which I may end up pulling out of there and making it its own product because it's so good. But I, I think I'll probably end up keeping it in there. But um, it's the first of I think many things to come like that. I think. It's amazing how many, I said there is no one size fits all, but you can give a good roadmap. And I've found that that's what there's a high demand for. And so if I can offer these products and it helps somebody advance their business, then I'm all about it. And so I'm going to share with you my ultimate secret to success. Are you ready? The reason I'm so good at what I do is because I, it's very easily, easy, easy for me to become personally invested in the success of the people I work with. That's all it is. I have a personal interest, no matter who I'm working with, no matter what I'm doing, free consult, it doesn't matter. It's very easy for me to want it just as bad as the person that I'm talking to. It's that easy. And, and I think that was probably the hardest part about going solo was I had all these strategies for international companies I was working with and I just had to trust that they were going to work. I, I can't follow up. I can't see how it's going other than watching from afar and it's so that was the most heartbreaking part for me was it's like 
we split up, but you guys got the kids. You know what I mean? And it's not that I want them for client purposes. It's because I got to know these people. I got to be invested in their success. And I nothing makes me feel more tickled inside and, and, and ecstatic than when I see them applying things that we had talked about and still applying it and seeing it be successful. It's just maybe it's an ego thing. I don't know. But I love seeing people succeed. I'd say that's not an ego thing because most people yeah. are only thinking about themselves. Yes and what they get out of it. It's the secret sauce, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's just your heart. That's just your heart. And you're amazing. And I'm so happy that you reached out to me on Instagram and said, oh, hey, what's up, fellow marketer? Let's chit-chat. <laughs> this has yeah. been so much fun. Definitely. And guys, listen, we're going to have all the links on how you can connect with Stephen. Is it Edelman? Edelman, Edelman. yep. Long Edelman, A, yep. Okay, on how you can connect with Stephen Edelman and, wow, I, I want to keep talking, but out of respect for your time, I'm sure you're busy, we're going to cut it here. That is it for this week, you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Cool. Yay! Woohoo! That was Thanks. fun. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Rory and Dominica of the Big Picture Business Podcast. Um, we talked, it got a lot deeper than I thought it would, which is cool. Uh, I had so much fun being on their show. I wish the conversation could have gone for hours. Um, it was a blast. It really was. So, uh, again, I highly recommend you check out Big Picture Business Podcast. It's fantastic. Um, and, again, as she said, if you need marketing services, whether it's um, from me or the other two on the show, please feel free. Um, thank you so much for tuning into the Deep Gripping Reality Podcast, and be sure to check out a marketingstrategy.com. Until next time, get deep, my friends. Mm-hmm.